0: You know, we're in our second week of our series entitled The Christmas Option. And the basic premise of the sermon series is we do the Christmas story a disservice if we romanticize the events of the nativity and the birth of Christ. Because all of the participants that help bring about this glorious plan of God to be revealed, boy, their lives experience hardships, displacement, sometimes even danger. I mean, it was a difficult thing to go through, but through these discomforts, great opportunities presented themselves. Most notably, that God's plan for all of salvation would come forward and be put into place and be revealed if those that were asked to be participants chose the Christmas option. You know, Zach mentioned that sometimes it's difficult uh, during the holidays when we have to travel. I don't know how this happened, uh, but when I was growing up, grandparents came to our house to do Christmas, right? If they wanted to join us, great, you're welcome to come. And we'd trade out, you know, different years, uh, one side of the family, then the other side of the family. Somehow my parents and my wife, Jill's parents, they snookered us that it needed to still continue being at their house, which is fine if you're single or if you're young and married, but you start having babies and, and small children. Well, that becomes quite a production to trans take everything from your world and take it to the grandparents' world. And so we had to get a bigger car because you got playpens and you've got car seats and you've got blankets and you've got toys and sound machines and things to make them sleep. And what you try to do is you try to recreate home in a different environment so it'll be less disruptive for the children. Now, Jill and I, as empty nesters, if we have our pillows and our coffee creamer, we're good. We can go anywhere in the world. I don't know why it is, but if we have our coffee in the morning, it's just right. We're good to go. But we tend to adopt this mentality is we want to be comfortable and we want to be surrounded by the comforts of home, and we like routine, we like patterns, we like doing things in a way that's non-disruptive, but is that good? Is that what's going on? Because no part of the Christmas story involved comfort, no part of the Christmas story involved routine, or even safety for that matter. I mean, if you think about all the things going on with our main characters, their life was turned upside down. It was in upheaval. It was disrupted. It was completely ripped out from underneath them, the plans they had put in place. And God says, no, I appreciate what you're trying to do in this relationship. I've got some other plans. But is this a bad thing when your world gets turned upside down? You know, see, during this period of discomfort, we see God's plan is going to be revealed. God's plan is going to be put into motion if the characters choose the Christmas option. So, point number one for us is God can use our times of displacement to his glory. See, we immediately think that if our normal routine gets thrown on a different axis, if it gets thrown off, and, and we have to do something different, or, you know, we, we lose a job, or someone takes over the company, and suddenly there's a new set of rules, and, and we're trying to figure thing we think that's a bad thing. But sometimes God can use that, and can God can use that to his own glory, so let's continue reading our story that begins in Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. So let's kind of put yourself in the position of Mary and Joseph as you understand what God asked them to do. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, the promised land, the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, well, it's kind of changed hands from time to time. There have been times where God God has allowed his people to be in control, and there are times where God has, because they've been sinful, not following after him, and, and following some of the gods of the Gentiles around them, has allowed that land to slip away from them. So now they find themselves under Roman Empire against their will. And and so now Caesar is calling the shots. And as Jesus will say, hey, we got to render under Caesar what's Caesar's. And so that's what's going on. They're under Roman occupation, but Caesar since they're living under his umbrella, could tax God's people at will and tax people all he wanted. And so the Jewish nascent nation didn't get to call their own shots. God's people were powerless. Yet throughout history, God consistently watched out for his people. And God had a history of delivering God's people. If you think about the famine that took place uh, where Joseph gets sent down to Egypt to prepare to take care of God's people, that was God's deliverance. And later when there was a Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph or the story of Joseph, God's people were enslaved. After 400 years, he sends in Moses. And so there have been times where God has allowed things to happen, but he always provides for them. And he always takes care of them and he provides for their deliverance. And now his deliverance and his plan that he's about to bring about is not going to just be for his people. It's going to bring salvation to the entire world. That's what God has been leading up to. That's been his plans. And now they're coming into focus. Boy, we always don't feel like we're moving forward, do we? We don't feel like that when we get displaced, that there's a purpose there we just feel like no life would go better if it keeps going like we want it to go but god says sometimes i'm going to use this displacement to bring things about and i'm going to bring about disruption in your life because the hidden option becomes available to us when we're faced with this disruption we can choose to try to retreat and and go figure things out or we can raise the antenna and go God, what are you up to? Why have you allowed this to take place? Why have I been knocked off my axis? Why has my routine been disruptive? Because the greatest work that God wants to do in our world often comes through believers' proper response to disappointment and discouragement and to hardships. So the second point I want us to make for this morning is, when this happens, that God has a journey in mind for you, that God has plans set up. He has specific things he's put into place, and he often jolts us from our routines in order to move us in that new direction. So it's like a bumper car. He provides something that makes us bump and go a different direction we got to realize God wants us to head down a direction. He has plans in place, and he's gifted us according to the plans he wants us to be a part of. Well, let's see how this plays out with Joseph and Mary, starting in verse 4. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Okay, so things go from bad to worse. Not only is he forced to stop his work and to leave his hometown, he's now got this whole thing hanging over it. we talked about last week of he's got a pregnant fiance. They're essentially married, but they're not married. And so now he's dealing with that and all of the stuff going on in his hometown. But now he has to leave home and he's got to travel with a nine-month pregnant wife. And so they're asked to travel to uh, Bethlehem, which is about 96 miles away. It's about 70 miles by if a crow were to fly it. But the path around is 96 miles. And so he tells his pregnant fiancé, who's very pregnant, We've got to load up and go. Whether they were walking or a donkey, it's still a long way to go. You know, in the last month of Jill's pregnancy with our daughter Maggie, she didn't even want to drive to the grocery store. She was like, yeah, I just get worn out. I, I can't imagine asking her to load up on a donkey and let's walk to Tyler. That's what it is. It's 94 miles to Tyler from here. So it's, not, it's to Tyler plus two more miles on the other side of it. Can you imagine? It took about a week. And you know, if you have a hard time, I I haven't been pregnant myself, but sometimes there's some uncomfortableness even laying down. Can you imagine being on a donkey with every move of those hips for 96 miles a week to get there? She's like, well, why are we going? Well, Caesar says we need to go, but I think there's something else going on here as well. God wants us to travel to Bethlehem. As this little town has some important things. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says something big is going to happen in Bethlehem. And I want you to go. And so Caesar's plans hop in with God's plans for this couple. And they're heading to a destination that God has had in store since the beginning of time. Before this world was created. And it's happening. These plans are here. The great big plan of God required this arduous journey. What about us? Are are we cognizant that God has plans for us and God has designed for how he wants us to spend our lives? Do we treat some of these difficult times as God's using this? And God has something in store that I know nothing about the German psychologist, Tom Seringer developed what's called the learning zone model. And what he talked about is there are three zones or state of beings. He said one is the comfort zone, right? And we like the comfort zone. The second is the learning zone. And further out is what he called the panic zone. And he said, if you find yourself in the panic zone, you need to realize that no learning is gonna take place. Because the anxiety, the stress, the panic, all that that is going on in this zone causes us to shut down on our learning. It's kind of fight or flight. And we don't want to stay in that position of being in a state of panic. And so we'll do everything we can to get out so no learning takes place. So we get that. But what his study also came up with is very little learning happens in the comfort zone either. It's just a place we can come back to, sometimes to lick our wounds, sometimes to recharge our batteries, but very little growth happens in the comfort zone. It it happens once we get outside of the comfort zone, right on the edge of losing everything in the panic zone. That's where learning takes place. Seringer went on to say that the more time we spend in the learning zone, our comfort zone expands. So I think it's like that on our faith journey as well. The more we allow God to take us out of our comfort zone and learn some things by faith, the more we're comfortable with. And so we've all met people whose comfort zone is very limited and they won't be challenged to get outside of that. We have others that can do just about anything that God wants them to do, and they're willing to accept new challenges because God has stretched them, because they've been willing to get out of their limited sphere of influence and comfort. And God says, that's where I want you. I want you in this learning zone. And when you start feeling anxious, you start feeling panicked, just know that I've got you. So I wanna encourage us to, to think along those lines. Because if we reside in the comfort zone, we'll never take risk, we'll never stretch ourselves, and we'll never discover who we are, and more importantly, who God wants us to be. Amen, church? We've got to be stretched. We never say we've arrived. We want to continue to be lifelong learners. You know, many of us have a false conception that if God's leading us, the journey will be easy. Why do we believe that if we're students of God's Word? How many of God's faithful servants, both men and, and women, their lives were easy once they got hooked up with God? No, it's the exact opposite. God's like, hey, I appreciate where you are. I appreciate the gifts that you have. Uh, but I'm going to now activate those. Oh, I don't want to be activated. No, tough. I've got plans for you. But is my life going to be difficult? Yes. <laughs> Well, I don't know if I want to. I don't care. Let's go. And so you have Gideon saying, well, God, if this is really true, let me put this fleece out. And God's like, okay. Okay, well, the fleece is wet and the ground is dry. Let's flip those. God's like, we can do this all week. How do you, I want you to know I'm in control and I can do this. Gideon, you have to be willing to be stretched I know, but I'm the least of the least in my family, in my clan, all the tribe. Why am I at the very bottom? God's like, you've got everything you need to lead God's people against the Midianites. Are you willing to be stretched? Are you willing to walk out on onto the battlefields that God is calling you to step onto? You know, God's journey in our lives is a struggle. And you may feel robbed of your ease and convenience, but there's no need to panic. And there's no need to complain because it means God's got something going on. And God says, learn from what's happening because this is one more step as you keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I I love the story of the Israelites that they get delivered out of Egypt. and, And they're traveling through the desert. And then here come the Egyptians. And so God's fire kind of stops the Egyptians, but the people have nowhere to go because there's the sea in front of them, Egyptians behind them. So God inspires Moses to say, Stand back and watch what God's about to do. God's going to provide this deliverance. But here's what I want you to do I want you to walk forward. And it's like, well, how can we stand still and wait for God to do this while walking forward? That's a walk of faith. Saying that I'm walking forward not knowing what's going to happen in front of me. But I trust the God that if he's asking me to walk forward, he's going to part that sea that's in front of me. That's the kind of faith. That's the kind of stretching. We don't wait for God to act. We move forward trusting that God will act in our lives. final point is God has a place for you. God has a place for you. Luke 2, verse 6 through 7 says this. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. and She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. To me, that's one of the toughest part of this story, isn't it? This whole God has led them to this point, And they go and they knock on the door. You know who we are? We're the ones, the the promised ones. I'm a virgin, Uh, the Holy Spirit came over me, God says I'm chosen, I sang this awesome magnificent song and, and I'm here to deliver the Christ child. Sorry we don't have any room in the inn, move on. But yet there's no room. Sometimes it's easy for us to scoff at the notion that an innkeeper wouldn't give Mary and Joseph an inn for this special birth. But think about this. Was there ever a place that was perfect enough for the Christ child, God's child, to be born? Not in this world, but yet he came to this world. He humbled himself to become the lowest of servants, a bond servant, to be born in this humble place that wasn't fit for even a normal child. Must less the King of kings and Lord of lords. There was no room for them. Nothing like this in history of the world had ever happened before or will happen again. It was a singular moment, it was God inspired. And as believers, our lives should frequently feel like there's no room in the end for us as well, that we don't fit you know, we're not at home in this world because we weren't created for this world. And the world should have trouble with us as well because we don't fit into the box they want us to go in. The question is, do you fit into that box? Is this world your home or are you just passing through as we sing? Because Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the people of faith they did these incredible things because they raised their eyesight up just a little bit and said, that's where I'm living, not here. My world's over there, not not around here. I'm not going to feel comfortable here because God's called me to there. And along the way, I'm going to walk by faith and inspire others to walk by faith as well because I'm longing for a new country. I'm longing for a new home. And so this world it doesn't fit. It doesn't work for me. I don't fit in. So, the different generations at our house at Christmas time have movies that they really like. And, uh, you know, try as they may. Uh, the grandkids are never going to watch Miracle on 34th Street with my mom. Like, they want, you, know, you just sit down, you'll get into it, you'll love it. And they're like, no. No, Grandma, we're not, you know? If it's black and white, we're done, okay? And so they want to sit down, all the cousins, when they get together, as we call it, they want to watch Elf, okay? Miracle in Four. no, it's not going to happen. Uh, we have been having a hard time getting Christmas vacation. They were like, yeah, no, okay. We want to watch Elf. And basically, Will Ferrell's character, when he was a baby, the basic premise, for those of you who haven't seen it, is he accidentally crawls into Santa's sack as he's around delivering gifts. And so Santa takes this baby back to the North Pole, and the clauses decide to adopt him. Okay, well, the only problem is, as this baby grows into a child and a young adult, he no longer fits in that world anymore, right? And so it all throughout his time up in the North Pole, you're like going, this isn't working. You've got to go to the next world. And so he quickly outgrows the elf world. Why? He wasn't an elf. He was born different. I watched an interview with Will Ferrell years ago, and it was on the 15th anniversary of Elf coming out. And so they asked him, they're like, what was it like? He goes, well, to tell you the truth, I thought it might be a career-ending move to take this role. He said, our first film, shots that we took were on the streets of New York. He said, I was just coming out of a Saturday night live and everyone knew me, and yet I'm out walking the streets of New York in tights, yellow tights and a green outfit, and I'm thinking to myself, whatever happened to Will Ferrell? Well, it was that Elf movie, right? But he said he felt displaced. He felt like he didn't fit in immediately. James Kahn, who serves as his father, later told him after the success of Elf, he goes, I didn't think it was going to work either. I thought you were way over the top. Now I kind of get what you were trying to do. But we should feel that same discomfort. We should feel that same, I don't fit in because God has different plans for me than the, the script that's handed out by this world around us. Right? Well, we aren't humans living in an elf world, we are external creatures living in a temporary world. God has eternal plans for us in store. God says, I want you to realize this is the waiting room before you get seated at the grand table. You're, you're waiting and you're getting ready for the great feast You've been adopted. You've been grafted into the vine. You've been welcomed in until you come and sit at my table for eternity. Live into the plans I have for your life. I'm giving you opportunities. I'm giving you gifting. Be faithful to those opportunities. Be faithful to your gifting. Live into that story. You know, if you feel out of place on God's journey... There's no perfect fit for you in this world. You're, you're in good company. Look at the other people and men and women of faith. The good news is God has prepared a room for you. There is room in his house. You know, choosing the Christmas option means trusting God no matter what. <laughs> trusting God enough to know that you have been created to be the person that God wants you to be. And trusting God enough to say, if God has created me this way and God has gifted me this way, be brave enough to stay on this pathway that he lays before you. Because your journey in life will look like no one else's journey. And we've got to be confident in that. That's the option. That's the Christmas option is saying, God, I don't understand why you have displaced me in this world But use me between now and when I come into your kingdom for all of eternity. So that's the choice for each one of us. We can say, no, I'm going to retreat to my happy place. I'm going to retreat to where it's comfortable. I'm going to retreat to a place where I don't have to be stretched because it's easier. But God says, you're going to miss out on the plans I have for your life. The kingdom will not be advanced by you. My kingdom will go on as we see in the story of Esther. What is God calling you to? Where is God leading you? What are God's plans for your life? It begins with accepting His Son, Jesus. If you're ready to do that this morning, I encourage you to come now as we stand as we sing.